0: top-notch sports talk you'll love from two guys you know and love. Welcome to the Chalk Talk Podcast. So don't get me wrong here, Chris. Me and my wife love our dog. Mm -hmm. But I wish she was a little more sympathetic towards us because... She had an evaluation for donkey daycare earlier yeah. this week, and, and my wife was the one that dropped her off. She didn't even take the time to even like go back to her and say bye before she went back over to daycare because she was too daggum excited to be over there, and I drop her off this morning because she eventually did, did get approved, but I, I dropped her off this morning. She does me dirty the same way.
1: Yep, yeah yeah I mean, welcome to being a dog parent. I did the same thing with Toby this weekend. I had a couple races and stuff. He saw his other doggy friend. he just took he just took right off to him so i I, I get it, man. It breaks the heart a little
0: bit. I mix wet food into your dry food for breakfast <laughs> out of the kindness of my heart and, and and this is how she does us. hey, that's how they're gonna do us, man,
1: but you know when Ugh. they when they get a little bit older. You know, I'm even seeing it with my dog now. He's just over a little bit of a year. They do get a little bit more cuddly. And, you know, th- they'll miss us. <laughs>
0: Another prime example of... She's lucky she's cute. Exactly. So with that, welcome to the Chalk Talk podcast in conjunction with Fox Sports Wheeling. He's Chris Theoburn. I'm Corey Klug. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode here. Usual rundown here. We'll break down the week that was in high school football, give you the scoop on some of the rankings as we inch closer and closer to the playoffs. We'll run down some of the NFL stuff that happened over the week, also college football and baseball playoffs just now getting underway. So we'll kind of talk about the wildcard games that went down earlier this week and kind of give you our predictions for who we think will eventually raise the trophy maybe in october it could extend into november but either way who hoists the trophy at the end of the season so starting with our high school football talk here and starting with st Clairsville and bel-air a pretty a pretty good game we definitely lived up to the hype of it being the game of the week this past week and in the end st Clairsville knocking bel-air out of the ranks of the undefeated beating them 28 to 16 and this was no doubt, Chris, their toughest test since Wheeling Park, given that Air was making a lot of big plays on defense. I mean, I heard Jeff mention it quite a few times. Their secondary is just just has great ball-hawking ability. They really are, and that showed that they were able to pick off Drew Cefsik
1: three times. Colt C. Chris the Youngstown State commit with two interceptions there. They were just in the right place at the right time. It came down to four big plays is what was the key difference in that game. Pay no attention to the score. Pay no attention to the stats because the score and the stats do not tell the story of how close that game was. St. Clairsville, able to make that final adjustment in the second half, that was what gave the Red Devils the key to the victory there. Bel Air, a very solid football team, but a few very questionable play calls was also another
0: difference. So you had the big plays from St. Clairsville, and you had some of the questionable play calling on the big red side. Yeah, you mentioned the big plays on the Red Devils side. Colin Oberdeck living up to his nickname and and was eventually the player of the game in that game just because he was he was able to help St. Clairsville kind of pull off that comeback in the second half.
1: What a battle between him and Ray-Ray Pettigrew, too. All game long on both sides of the ball, whether it was on offense or defense, what a battle they had. Arguably one of the catches of the year, too, where the ball was thrown up, him and Pettigrew both went up, Colin tipped it with his left hand, over into his right hand to make the catch. And then Pettigrew also in that game. Got to give him credit, too. Just this crazy one-handed grab. The ball went all the way out in front of him. He grabbed it with one hand, moved around a defender, was able to get upfield. So have to give him a big shout-out, too. But you want to talk about two of the top corners and receivers in the OVAC you have to mention Ray Ray Pettigrew and Colin Oberdick both who knows who knew you were going to get
0: like a heavyweight bout
1: along with this game (laughs) oh yeah I mean absolutely the you know you knew about the Seacrist, you knew about the Hetheringtons going into this game Ray Ray Pettigrew only a junior playing like one of the top players in the valley arguably and this young man is just phenomenal and him and Colin a lot of mutual respect for each other there, just going back and forth all game
0: and the thing is with Belair they really shouldn't get too down on themselves no. because because they, they proved that they are a pretty darn good team they just needed to, to finish a little bit better in that game so they can't dwell on this too much especially since shadyside is coming up tomorrow and a uh, little bit of a spoiler alert for the ranking shadyside is now the number one team right in their region so they got another big game coming up so they got to put it in the rear view yeah the route seven rivalry this version of it between bel-air
1: and Side. The biggest thing with Bel Air is they were stopped twice in the red zone on a fourth down play, and I mean they were they had fourth and on the one inch line. St. Clairsville got that push back, so like I said, it's just a few key big plays was the difference in that game. Don't lick your wounds, get back to work right now. Don't read any of the press clippings. Get back to work. Do what you know how to do because shady Side, they're coming in with a vengeance in this one, because I believe they lost the last matchup with Bel Air. So there's, and any time it's a rivalry game, you want to win, and it, big playoff implications here for both teams.
0: So some good stuff for Chris's game last week on KISS 95.7, and some pretty solid stuff for me and Isaac's game on Fox Sports Wheeling last week. Kind of a backup plan, but it was a darn good backup plan at that. As we saw, Lindsley pull off a comeback in a 26 to 21 win over McGuffey. Keep in mind, this was the game where we were supposed to be at Fairmont Senior in Wheeling Park, but COVID strikes again. But Lindsley doing a pretty good job in in, in the second half here and trying to pull off this comeback win over McGuffey. I mean, Luca DiLorenzo... Lorenzo was kind of the reason for the struggles at first because there were a couple fourth down opportunities and he just tried to make too much happen and it just came back to bite him. But he was pretty much the main reason why they were able to come back and win. He, he pretty much sparked up the first scoring drive that they had late in the first half and then was able to come through with some more scoring in the second half and eventually the interception that helped seal the deal.
1: This is the type of player that he is, and this is the reason why he's the quarterback on this team. Last year, he was a running back as a sophomore. This year, he steps into that quarterback position. This is why he can make things happen. The character of this young man, the stamina of this young man is just phenomenal because he makes plays happen on both sides of the ball. This is a young Lindsley team, as you probably saw as well this past week he's really stepped up in a leadership role in that quarterback position, also playing center field, him and Felix Ryder there in the defensive backfield. So he's really come together. But Corey, before we move on, special thank you to you and Isaac, especially, and what a game that you guys called. I got to listen in a little bit. Great job being prepared there last minute. You guys called an absolutely phenomenal game. So I just thank you for your patience and thank you for the excellent job that you guys did.
0: No, no, I'm just happy I had time to
1: prepare for this
0: backup plan not because, a lot <laughs> yeah not, not a lot but it was time nonetheless because a couple weeks ago when we were supposed to have villa Angeles st joseph in park it was pretty much canceled the day before and it just really put us in a rock and a hard place so at least we had time to prepare for this but at least we pulled off a pretty good backup plan here with mcguffey and lindsley and the thing is with mcguffey they were doing the the, the uh, two quarterback system, right. and they they were pretty successful with it at first. But maybe they just felt pressured to keep creating separation. Just who knows? They they just looked like a different team in the second half. And I saw it out the corner of my eye when we started the post game show. The the head coach Ed Dalton addressing the team and at about the twenty yard line on the on the far side of us. We wrap up the first segment. They're still on the field. Right. They're still being addressed. I'm like, ooh. They, He cannot be happy.
1: (laughs) And it was rare for them, too. Now, the one thing that I noticed with McGuffey and the limited research that I've done on them before, I mean, their top receiver from a few years ago, or excuse me, from last year, C.J. Cole, he's now made his way to WVU. So that just shows you what they had in the receiving core last year because he was one of the top receivers, but then they had some other good ones. But they really switched things up this year, went more to that running game because they were running the uh, triple option a little bit from what I got to listen in your game.
0: Yeah, they they pretty much did it for... Most of the game, there might have been a time where they went to a shotgun or two, but but most of the time it was that kind of kind of that wing T that Central runs. Yeah, and it,
1: it was that's rare for them. I mean, like I said, they're usually a team that likes to air it out, but obviously they didn't really see that in their receiving core this year. They saw two fantastic quarterbacks went to that option. It, it, it's very difficult to defend too, mm-hmm. and wasn't quite when he, when you started saying that during your broadcast, I was like, man, they've really um, switched things up because, like I said, last year with a guy like CJ. Cold, big target six foot four like i said now down to wvu i mean you're obviously going to air it out and then this year they're like oh okay maybe we need to run the ball a little bit
0: mm-hmm. so so good job by lindsley right there to pull off that comeback win 26 to 21 over mcguffey and it gets them a little bit closer in that ovac 3a race but still a ways to go for them so hopefully lindsley can keep chipping away at, ch- at trying to get back get that crown back once again so elsewhere last week U- union local able to get back on track but Magnolia making it interesting. Union Local does win 26-23. to 23. Carter Blake remains solid enough to help Union Local escape the upset. But Brendan Morandi definitely helped make things interesting on Magnolia's side, and he's proven to be every bit as good as his brother. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this kid's just a phenomenal athlete and respect to Magnolia.
1: I mean, they were in this game. They were leading for the longest time. Union Local had that late, late push. That just shows the depth, too. I mean, you look at that. I mean, Magnolia, a very small school especially compared to Union Local, so the depth came in in that one, but a very, very even football game, but not taking anything away from the Jets. They battled every single minute of that game and came away with the victory and it's never easy too. I mean that, that's a little bit of a haul too down there so exactly you got to play that into the factory you got the guys going down the bus maybe took them a little while to get that you know bus lag off so to say I know that's really not a word but you know people know what I mean <laughs> but yeah it's definitely difficult but a great victory there on the road for the Jets
0: and Gavin Kern's kind of re-emerging here for the Jets he kind of been lost in the shuffle ever since his breakout game in week one but definitely re-emerged down in Magnolia seven catches 140 49 yards and a touchdown. But just getting back to Magnolia here, it's clear that this team has talent and it has promise. It's just that this layoff that they went through with COVID and everything – It's just really ruined their progress. And you just hope that they can make some progress in this latter half of the season. Yeah. And it's not easy because, yeah, you can practice as much as you can. But until you get into
1: that rhythm in a game situation, you never know what you're going to have. The timing and everything could be there, but a game situation is going to totally change some things. You got the crowd. You know, you're obviously playing against guys that you may not know that well. If they can get into this rhythm, I could see them being a very, very tough team down the stretch.
0: And, I mean, totally different team here, but you got to imagine if that's going to be the same case with Wheeling Park. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Because you've been off three of the last four weeks that you were probably supposed to have a game, and now you're finally going to have a game, but you have to make a long haul as well to Morgantown tomorrow night, which, oh, by the way, you can catch on Fox Sports Wheeling. But you got to wonder if that same scenario is going to apply for Park especially the way
1: Morgantown came off that victory against Musselman too. I mean, you got to think this is a team. I don't I don't believe Morgantown's had a game canceled yet. So they're in that rhythm now, used to playing on Friday nights, and Wheeling Park's got to do that. It's just it's COVID is I mean, COVID's just been unfair in general, but especially this Wheeling Park team because this is a very talented football team, but you have to remember too, this is a very inexperienced football mm-hmm. team. But when they get in that rhythm, I always said this team, I don't care that their record stands 1 and 2, I don't care that they have two games canceled. They belong in the top 16. I want to see them win
0: out, squeak into the playoffs and see what they can do there. So Wheeling Park and Magnolia dealing with the with some with a similar scenario here. And Magnolia almost able to pull off the upset, but Union Local able to get the win 26 to 23 last week. Wheeling Central though, they double up on Weir 54 to 27 last week. Sure does feel good to have Michael Topher back, doesn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Just a total difference maker there. And Central is going to be a very dangerous team down the road here. You're going to have the opportunity to call them next week. So this is a very good football team, a very improved football team. Once again, throw the records out the window right now. They played a very good Bel Air team. They've... You know, like I said, they obviously struggled a little bit against Ambridge in the beginning of the season. Michael Tofer now fully healthy. This is a different football team that just keeps improving each and every week. Also, their other loss came the shady side, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. very good football team. Once again, Michael Tofer, not 100%. But look out, because the Maroon Knights, they are for real, no matter what that record
0: says. Yeah, four touchdown passes for Michael Tover in that game. But also got to give a shout out to uh, Lorenzo Ferreira. You don't necessarily hear about him too much, especially since Riley Watkins is the one taking the headlines in the backfield. But Lorenzo making it, making his presence felt. Five carries, 118 yards, and a touchdown, and also some good stuff on defense. If you go back a few years ago
1: when they had Bray Price, he is kind of like the Bray Price of right now, that they can line him up in the backfield, they can line him up as a receiver. He's more of that speedy type guy that you can even hit on a jet sweep. And then you have Watkins that has a little bit of both with that strength and speed. That's a dangerous two-headed monster right there. And then you know, let's throw in Michael Tofer there. Pretty darn good quarterback. So, a lot of dangerous weapons for the Maroon Knights.
0: And just kind of getting back to what you said earlier about Central, it's clear that they have their momentum back. And if they can keep this going, they're going to go from dark horse contender in single A to just a straight-up contender. Yeah, I mean, you look
1: at the teams in the Valley right now that are just dominating. Cameron looking really good. We're Madonna looking really good. Magnolia starting to creep back up there, too. This is going to get interesting with these Valley teams down the road here, because No matter what, I mean, Central, they've won a state championship as a 16 seed. They've won it as a one seed. It doesn't matter. If Wheeling Central gets into the playoffs, they're a very, very dangerous football team. So right now, don't pay attention to the rankings. Do your thing. Win your games. Get into the playoffs. Take care of business. That's what Central needs to do from here on out.
0: Moving up to the top class here in West Virginia, John Marshall able to bounce back with a 33-14 win over buchanan Upshur. Ben McCardle, pretty much the star in that game, 109 yards and a touchdown. John Marshall, they were kind of on the outside looking in. They now find themselves back in, but on the bubble in Class AAA. And things are definitely not going to get easier for the mm-hmm. Monarchs coming up because they got Morgantown, Oakland, and Park coming up on the schedule rather soon. So they better use this bye week to their advantage and start prepping for this tough stretch. And another team, too. I mean, they struggled a little
1: bit out of the gate, and they really figured things out. Like I said, you're going to have the opportunity to call two of their games here in the uh, next coming weeks. So, going to be exciting down there. I, th- oh, I think I think my final two games of the season are John are Marshall. John Marshall yeah. yeah, so that's that's going to be exciting for sure. And that's why we wanted to pick up those games because they're going to be good ones. Oakland, another team right now that just—I mean—the COVID bug's just been biting them as well. But John Marshall, they've had that momentum. They have that freshman running back in McArdle, like you mentioned. They're really coming together as a nice young football team it's playoff type atmosphere already for them and that's you know it's not i i guess it's not necessarily something that's like crazy off the wall there because you are getting into the latter weeks of the season now it is that playoff
0: type atmosphere they need to just concentrate on going one and oh each week speaking of a playoff kind of atmosphere in this in another game this is over in ohio here monroe central mm. they were on the outside looking on barely on the inside I should say, in their region last week. And Shenandoah was the one on the outside looking in. So, a team, a, a game that both teams could have really used a win in. And it's Monroe Central who gets the win, beating Shenandoah 36 28. And like I said, this was a game that the Zeps really needed, and they came up just short. But it's proof that things are getting better for them.
1: Yeah, they really are. I mean, they're getting guys back from injury right now. I mean, they were missing one of their top offensive linemen to a shoulder injury. I believe he's returned to the lineup now. They had a couple other linemen that were out that returned to the lineup last week. Um, So a lot of things coming together for the Zeps right now. But Malachi Rose Burton from Monroe Central. I mean, Corey, he is
0: making a case for player of the year right now. I mean, stat line for Malachi here, 129 yards and four touchdowns on the ground to go with 208 yards and a touchdown through the air. And you wonder if a player like him would even get a chance in the postseason considering the rough start that Monroe Central got, had got into, but this resurgence that sent, that Monroe Central's gotten into. They now find themselves in a much better spot. They really do. And this is a
1: great football team. And look at their strength of schedule too I mean they played a really really tough schedule the only game where I think they really I feel they really slipped up was that Caldwell game they gave up 73 points in that one but they scored 48 so that's a positive to look at it the defense just really really struggling in that one but they've come around now they had a little bit of injury problems at the beginning of the year and I I think they even had a little bit of a COVID issue there at the beginning they weren't canceled but they had a couple players that you know thankfully everybody was able this happened kind of outside side of the football field but they had a couple players missing there so it's good to see them back to full strength now and they're showing what they can do flexing their
0: muscles going back to west virginia here brooks slipping by marietta 30 to 21 last week i mean props to marietta because it's proof that they are getting closer in this first season in the ovac for them
1: they really are too and they're used to being a dominant program too they've been kind of on the downhill slope here as of late but they're starting to come back up here is what is dangerous about brook If they don't get in the playoffs this year and make something happen, I can kind of understand. But it is the freshmen and sophomores that yep. are making plays for this Bruins team. But so, While well, we
0: even mentioned it at the start of the year, the defense was going to be the strength oh, yeah. of this team. It's just there's so much youth on offense, you mm-hmm. you, you kind of wonder how quickly they're going to be able to grow up. Yeah, so like I said, if it doesn't happen this
1: year, look out for these next couple years because it is the freshmen and sophomores that are making some huge plays for the Bruins.
0: And it's Jace Campanelli and Braylon Sparinger who were making the big mm-hmm. plays, and they were just too much on the ground for Marietta to handle and Luke Sechrist pretty much seemed like he was everywhere on the defensive side for Brooke just proving why the defense is going to be the strong going to be the strong point here for the Bruins but kind of like John Marshall Brooke it's going to get brutal for them soon because they got Oakland JM and Park on the schedule these next couple of weeks here so Brooke has been able to sustain this good start But these next couple of games are going to show if they can keep it up.
1: Yeah, the only major setback I think they had was against University, which is one of the top programs in Class AAA right now. So they're not getting the respect they deserve, and they need it, because this is a very good young football team. Every now and again, they kind of get lost in the shuffle here, but they're saying, hey, guys, we're here. We're for real. Like I said, if they don't make a push this season, it is definitely coming here
0: soon. Couple other games in Ohio of note here: Saint Saint Francis de Sales beating Steubenville 36 to 21. So I kind of pose this question to you here, Chris: Is it time to panic if you're the Big Red because you were off to a blazing start, a four and zero start, and now you have dropped two of your last three? No, it's definitely not the panic
1: button time, but it is time to get back to the basics here, get back to the drawing board, and play Steubenville football. It's crazy to think that in Eight and two. I mean, if they went out here, that an eight and two season isn't a success. Winning is a tradition there at Steubenville. They're used to going 10 and 0, they're used to going 9 and 1. Eight and two is a bad year for them, but you cannot look at it that way. You have to correct these mistakes. You have a very talented young quarterback in Peyton Hill, you have some great running backs. Rodney James is to mention one of them. You have the talent. No, absolutely not time to hit the panic button yet. Do not pay attention to what the other teams are doing. Worry about what you got to do getting the playoffs. And it's a very tough region right now because, you know, even look at Youngstown Ursuline's becoming the Youngstown Ursuline of old. You have Shardon in that region. I mean, there's a lot of tough teams in that region. Don't pay attention to what they're doing. Just take care of business.
0: I agree. It, it, it's it's just a matter of can can you shake this off because right. because I mentioned the start that they got off to and there's so much good talent on that big red team. It's just a matter of just, just just shake it off and try to take care of business the rest of the way, especially with Taylor Alderdice coming up on the schedule for them this week. But Steubenville, unfortunately, losing last week to St. Francis to sales 36 to 21, and then Barnesville. They're able to blank Toronto 37 to nothing last week. It's clear that Barnesville is back on track, and Spencer Bliss is pretty much going to be the catalyst behind this run. He really is indeed, and Hannes
1: is another one that he's really adjusting to that quarterback position now. There's so many talented players on Barnesville. They just couldn't really bring it together in that Buckeye Local game, not taking anything away from Buckeye Local. It was week one, but they've really taken their losses. They've taken their wins. They've learned from them. And have really figured it out. I mean, think about it, too. The starters only played in the first half because it was 37 nothing at the half there. And then they brought in some of the younger guys. So, very talented Barnesville team. Just like Brooke, take, defense has taken center stage for them. You know, defense is going to win you championships, too. They have everything figured out on defense, starting to really pick it up on offense. Look out. This is going to be a sleeper team.
0: So some other games to note here. Speaking of Buckeye local, they shut out Caldwell, thirty-two to nothing. So now the Panthers are in a little bit better standing in the Region Seventeen playoff race here. Cameron they're able to top Trinity Christian, twenty-two to thirteen, to keep pace in the West Virginia Class Single A race. Indian Creek finally breaking through for the first win of the season, beating Martins Ferry, twenty-six to fourteen.
1: Yeah, unfortunately for Ferry, Aiden Ludoff's still out right now, so they're breaking in a newer quarterback right now, and that's what always stinks when you only have one quarterback on the roster right now. Hopefully, he's able to return here soon, but a great job by Creek to really take advantage of that. Even going back to the um, Buckeye game, the 32-0 shutout over Caldwell, the Trey Hoover show there with three touchdowns, congratulations to him on a fantastic week, but some big victories there for Buckeye Local and Indian Creek, and we'll see what the rest Redskins are able to do down the road here.
0: Couple other games to know here. Meadowbrook back on track with a twenty-eight to nothing win over New Lexington. Back-to-back wins for Bridgeport now as they bash Bellsville, 40 to nothing. And unfortunately, the misery continues for Harrison Central as Beaver Local hammered them 48 to 14. It's it, it's it's just hard to comprehend the slump that the Huskies are in, but, but you just hate to see it. And
1: it's really hard to figure
0: out right now. I mean, this is a very,
1: very good football team. Now, Beaver Local, coming into this year, I said, you know, this is the team that's going to run the North. I I just flat out called it there in the Buckeye 8 that Mm -hmm. they were going to run the North and that it was really going to come down to the South here between Union Local, St. Clair'sville, throw Cambridge in there, Bel Air. I figured that this was the team that was going to come out of the North there, but I did not expect back-to-back blowouts against Harrison Central because, like I said, this is a fantastic football team. Just a lot of holes on defense right now has been
0: the big problem. Exactly. So, running down the rankings here that were released earlier this week, starting in West Virginia Class AAA. Huntington's still on top, but but Martinsburg's able to break free and and get second all to themselves now, with Jefferson now falling down into third. University's fourth. Princeton Senior is fifth. Brooke able to move up a couple spots to 11th. Like I mentioned earlier, John Marshall goes from the outside looking in to in now, but they're kind of sort of on the bubble here. They jump up to 14th, and Wheeling Park is in 24th. So, Pretty big game for them coming up tomorrow night against Morgantown, who's 20th in the Class AAA rankings. Two teams just trying to stay in the thick of things of that bubble race and both trying to make a statement. It is extremely
1: hard to play in Morgantown, too, which is Mm -hmm. the atmosphere that they have. It's kind of like Death Valley for a lot of teams. No matter how good or bad Morgantown is, it's a very tough place to play. Wheeling Park, they're going to have to get down there. They're going to have to shut up that crowd early, score early, score fast. It's a very capable team, but like you said, big playoff implications there. And then flip a coin there for the top four. I mean, that's pretty much how it's going to be all season long. No disrespect to Princeton. I understand they're undefeated. That's why they're in that number 5 spot. But I think those top four teams right now, you can just flip a coin on who's the best one.
0: In Class AA, Lincoln is the new number one team, followed by Herbert Hoover in second. Polka's up the well, well, Polka and Independent Senior are actually in that tie for third, and Point Pleasant is fifth. Last week's number one Kaiser plummeting all the way to sixth, so a bit of a bit of a surprise there. Oakland, despite their kind of sort of layoff here, they've been they were able to bounce back last week with their win over Berkeley Springs, and they now find themselves in 14th. While Weir, unfortunately, now finds themselves in a tie for 29th, but. Hopefully, Oakland can see the field a whole lot more these next couple of weeks, especially since they are on that bubble. In Class A too,
1: this is another one that I said don't pay attention to the rankings because any of those top 16 teams can come away with the state championship at this point. There hasn't been a team that has really stuck out like, oh, my goodness, they're great, like the top four teams in A. Once again, no disrespect there. It's just I think everybody is so evenly matched in Double A, and that's just what complements them. Squeak into the playoffs and then take care of business is what you have to do, because I like every single team in that division right now. I mean, like I said, until somebody shows me that they can separate right now, I, I think it's a very close
0: division. And in Class Single A, East Hardy is still on top, while Doddridge County and Cameron flip places, so Doddridge is second, Cameron is third. Weirton-Madonna, they're all alone in fourth place. Moorefield is now in the top five. Central Rockets their way up to sixth place in the standings. Clay Battelle drops to 12th. Tyler Consolidated up to 17th, so they're the first team on the outside looking in. Unfortunately, the stretch for Peyton City that they were on, they suffer a loss last week, so they they fall to a tie for 31st, and then, of course, you have Magnolia in the bottom with Valley and 100, but Magnolia definitely looking stronger than probably their ranking suggests absolutely
1: and i mean doddridge county they're a team that's really come on as of late and that's why they find themselves in that number two spot cameron making a name for themselves central slingshotting all the way back up there in madonna so like i said that's where i was talking about where you have all these ovac teams there that are in the top 10 obviously two of those teams i don't know who yet is more likely going to be on a collision course during the playoffs but this is probably the most
0: interesting class right now absolutely so moving over to the buckeye state here division three region nine rankings chardon and dover still one and two but aurora is now in third place with their second loss of the year steubenville now falls to eighth in in the rankings here new philadelphia is now back on the bubble in 14th
1: yeah so some great football teams that you mentioned there and i mean i tell you what Chardon and Dover right there, that's a, that's another two teams kind of flip a coin right now. I know New Philly, they had to play Chardon. They kind of took it on the chin there. So, it's... It's another class that you can just
0: kind of flip a coin right there, but a very, very competitive region. In Division 4, Region 13, West Branch and Ursuline still the top two with Gilmore Academy now in the third spot. Beaver Local creeping up to ninth, while East Liverpool now finds themselves in 24th in the Region 13 standings. And now to Region 15 because a little bit of a shakeup in the top Uh three. Bloom Carroll is still on top, but St. Clairsville, thanks to their win and Indian Valley's loss, they changed they changed places. So St. Clairsville is now number two with Indian Valley in third.
1: This was another one too. I, I kind of said flip flip a coin because Bloom Carroll their top dog till somebody can knock them off. Let's just call a spade a spade. They've just been blowing through everybody right now. But it was really been a toss up between Indian Valley and St. Clairsville. I really feel that this is going to be a bold prediction. But when it comes down to the regional finals, I don't think one, two, and three are going to change. I think these three teams right there have separated themselves. I also say that, but there are some very, very good football teams in this region. So don't take what I'm saying there as a knock. But I think these three teams have really separated themselves right now.
0: Meadowbrook, despite their win, they stay in eighth. Union Local, despite their win, they kind of drop a spot. They round out the top 10. Cambridge dropping to 11th, while Indian Creek is still in the bottom of the region 15 rankings here, despite their first win of the season. So going down to Division 5, Region 17, Kirtland, South Range, and Garraway. Now the top three, but Bel Air, despite the loss to St. C., they move up to fifth in the standings. Mm -hmm. They're getting
1: the respect that they deserve there. I understand it's a loss, but they are a very good football team, and they played so well. Look at that region. though. I mean, that's got to be the most stacked region that you and I talk about, Corey. I mean, Kirtland is a state, all all together is a state-ranked team You know, despite being what a division five school. So that just shows you right there that they're top dog until somebody can knock them off right now. But very tough region. This is what's going to make Bel Air stronger is this back end of their schedule. Their schedule is their teacher here. They have these very, very tough teams that are going to prepare them to play teams like garraway and possibly Curtin Kirtland down the road here
0: further down the rankings in region 17 edison goes up to eighth buckeye local thanks to their back-to-back wins they're up to 18th and very much in contention for for the for the 16th and final spot harrison central despite their five-game losing streak They're still clinging on to contention in 20th, but they got to get it turned around ASAP.
1: They really do. They got to win these last three games. It is a must win game for them. But how about the Wildcats? I mean, this is a team that they kind of took a bad loss early in the season and have really turned things around now. They've been in some really tight games, too. Another team that kind of gets lost in the shuffle there, maybe doesn't get the respect they deserve. But the Wildcats looking like a very good football team and some mighty nice white helmets, too. I got to give them credit to the new helmets and uniforms they have.
0: And then Martins Ferry, with their loss to Indian Creek, they now find themselves down to 24th in the Region 17 standings. Going to Division 6, Region 23, Fort Fry and West Jefferson still 1-2, with Northmore now in third place. Barnesville remains 6th, Buckeye Trail still 15th, Shenandoah stays 17th. So not a whole lot of movement amongst the local teams. And I tell you what, I am glad
1: that they are still giving the respect there to Fort Fry. They took the tough loss to Lima Central Catholic, one of the top teams in all of Ohio. What a great battle by the Cadets. Like I said, I understand they're almost two hours away, but this is another team that they have really established themselves as a powerhouse program. Props to them going up against Lima Central Catholic. It's going to really prepare them to try to make a run here because they've been one of the best regular season teams. They just haven't been able to transition that to the playoffs.
0: Not a whole lot of movement either in Division 7, Region 25. St. Paul, Lucas, Independence, still the top three. Southern, stay seventh. Really, the only movement is with Toronto because they're now back out of the top 16th. They're now 17th in those rankings, and Stumoville Catholic. Yeah, Steubenville Catholic Central is right behind them in 18th.
1: Yeah, I mean, Toronto, they just had some struggles here with some of their teams, but they're going to try
0: to get into that 16th spot and play a little extra football. And in Division 7, Region 27, I mentioned it earlier, Shadyside, the new number 1 team in that region, as Newark Catholic falls to 2 and Burn Union stays in 3rd. Frontier, they fall to 7th, but River goes up to 8th. Caldwell goes down to ninth. Monroe Central goes up to 10th, so a lot of up and down amongst the local teams here in this region. But Connaughton Valley, now they find themselves back in at 14th. Bridgeport now in contention in 19th, and Bellsville still kind of, sort of, hanging around, but they're in 24th. So, more likely, there are some OVAC teams
1: that oh, yeah. are on a collision course there oh, yeah. in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, that just shows you the respect that Shady Side's getting, Monroe Central. Caldwell, despite taking that blowout loss, they're a very good football team. Just couldn't put it together last week. But those
0: are some big names that you mentioned there. So, some of the notable games for this week. Chris has Union Local and St. Clairsville on Kiss 95.7 tomorrow night. Another edition of what used to be the fair game, but... It's definitely going to be a pretty good showdown in Red Devil Stadium.
1: Absolutely. 5-1 and one versus 6-1 and one here. Going to be a great matchup. We'll see how Union Local responds after that tough game they had against Magnolia. Also, St. Clairsville, too. One of the tougher games. Corey, it was the first game in almost three weeks that the starters pretty much had to stay out there the entire time, too. So, that's something else to look into. See how both teams are going to react here. And um, homecoming for St. Clairsville, too. So... See who gets crowned uh, king and queen as we have some of our football players from St. Clairsville on the homecoming court. I I know no surprise there, but (laughs) yeah, looking forward to the homecoming festivities. We didn't really get to enjoy them last year because of COVID, but it's nice
0: to get that normalcy back. And it's, it's always a pleasure to see a king and queen get crowned. Absolutely. And then for me, like I mentioned earlier, Wheeling Park and Morgantown, Isaac Basinger and I will be down there for this game between two teams. They're pretty much in the thick of things for that 16th, the final spot, but they got it. But somebody's got to get a win here, or or else the loser might be finding themselves behind the eight ball a little bit. Going to be a fantastic football game and one of the best views
1: too, Corey. You guys are going to be really blessed down there with this game. It is a fantastic place to call from. A little bit of a drive, but you know, you and Isaac can hang out a little bit, have a good time. I know you're the type of guy, man. We've been on some road trips too, and you like them and a great opportunity for both of you guys to be able to call a fantastic football game in a newer spot too. So should be a good one, and especially no matter what the records are between those two teams.
0: So Wheeling Park and Morgantown coming your way on Fox Sports Wheeling pregame show at six forty with the kickoff at seven. While Union Local and St. Clairsville will be on Kiss ninety five seven pregame seven ten with the kickoff at seven thirty. Elsewhere this week. Bel Air and Shadyside pretty much an argument here for the game of the week. Oh, yeah. Bel Air in that conversation for back to back weeks now, but. Definitely a big game, nonetheless. A huge
1: game. That is going to be a packed house over there at Shadyside. I mean, I'm sure we're going to hear it all the way out there in St. Clairsville. Great, great football game. Looking forward to the outcome of that one.
0: If Monroe Central wants to keep pace in the playoff race in Region 27, they're going to have to do it against a tough Barnesville team, and they're going to have to do it over in Barnesville. But we're going to see if Malachi Burton and the Seminoles can keep their good role going here. Oakland and Brooke, they're going to be going at it this week, followed by Taylor Alderdice and Steubenville as the Big Red try to get back on track. Wheeling Central goes over to Martins Ferry. We're to Madonna, goes to Toronto as Madonna tries to stay in the top five in the Class Single A race. Lindsley goes up against Canton Catholic Central Oof. in in their in their pursuit of trying to stay in that OVAC Class Triple A race. And like I said, don't
1: don't look at Canton Central Catholic's uh, record right now. I understand they only have one win, but that is a very good football team that Lindsley's going to be playing. But rivalry week once Mm -hmm. again
0: Corey. with some of these games i'm so excited it's gonna be a fun week if bridgeport wants a third straight win they're gonna have to do it in river and that's never really going to be an easy situation there so bridgeport and river going at it this week edison and harrison central going at each other as well cameron trying to stay undefeated as they travel over to valley magnolia goes to frontier and beaver local will be going up against indian creek this week. Again, it's the Chalk Talk podcast here in conjunction of Fox Sports Wheeling, Corey Klug and Chris Thoburn with you. And don't forget that we're on the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, you name it, chances are we are on that podcasting platform if you want to listen to this episode or past episodes on this fine podcast that we do. So, moving over to the NFL here. And unfortunately, the misery continues for the Steelers. They lose to Green Bay 27-17 to and scrutiny towards Big Ben is starting to ramp up, especially after another Rough game, but Mike Tomlin said this said that he's going to be standing by him.
1: Yeah, what a tough situation right there. I mean, I've always personally thought that maybe his day, his glory days have passed, but. He is a competitor, and there's not a whole lot behind him right now. And I know there's a lot going around on social media right now with the gift between Tomlin and Aaron Rodgers. You know, (laughs) I I get it, but you have to be able to surround your quarterback right now. And whoever thought that there would be two, three, and one teams, and the Steelers would be sitting at one and three right now in that excuse me in that division? But that's how it is right now you have to be professional and it's hard to say that nowadays because it's all about the money it's all about this and that Steelers need to get back to basics there they need to figure out what's going on in this locker room right now too because obviously guys are not on the same page and at each other's throats too
0: but I mean at the very least you see all the receivers who have Ben's back I mean I mean Deontay Johnson was singing Mm -hmm. his praises earlier this week same way same with Juju and you, and you, you got to keep in mind Chase Claypool was kind of a bit of a late scratch late in the week, so that definitely kind of threw off the offense a little bit. But either way, as far as the game is concerned, it seemed like the offense was finally going to be able to air it out to start to start the game a little bit. But they just couldn't connect the rest of the way. You see the couple of misses Ben had to Juju, and you can definitely tell that Juju was frustrated because they might need a new surface a new surface tablet after he slammed it down to the ground after missing that missing one catch. But it just looks so promising at first, and then it just all went kaput. And they're going to need to
1: air it out this week, too, because this is a very strong run defense that they're going up against. Najee Harris has been fantastic as in that rookie running back position, but like I said, they got a really tough test
0: this week, so they're going to have to be able to air it out, and it's time to figure it out. But if it's going to help Pittsburgh here with this game against the Broncos at Heinz Field coming up Sunday, it may be a little bit easier if Teddy Bridgewater is not able to go. If you see Drew Locke, you're probably going to be having an easier time but that doesn't mean anything if the offense can't wake up and it, and if the o-line can't pave the way for Najee Harris because Denver's defense is still no
1: slouch. No, I mean I think they're top 5 in rushing defense too. So that's why I said the um Pittsburgh is really going to have to air it out here. They're going to have to get on the same page with their receivers. Not necessarily having to go for the deep bomb all the time, but just even these 5-10 to yard curl routes, post routes, whatever you need to do. Get your guys open, move the ball down the field, and then maybe try to get off that long run with Harris. But I'm telling you, they're not going to be able to pound the ball this week at all.
0: And it's, it's kind of like we kind of like you said, just try to improve that intermediate passing yeah. game because Ben is one of the worst quarterbacks on throws 15 yards down the field. I, I saw the stats pretty much all week, so you definitely got to get the intermediate stuff working first because it's clear you're doing the short stuff well because it's pretty much what you do 90% of the time.
1: Well, and that was even the big problem with Mason Rudolph when he came in. He was more of the type of guy that could launch the ball down the field, but he couldn't throw the ball five yards, so intermediate passing game yeah and that's what i mean if you're getting five to ten yards or whatever you're getting a first down every you know first or second play move the ball down the field then try to pound it in there with that running game and be able to open up that defense a little bit more for Najee harris
0: back over in ohio the browns edge out the vikings 14 to 7 and the ground game just straight up kills it again the defense is able to pounce on kirk cousins and dalvin cook so you really weren't liking cook if he's on your fantasy team but Some concerns maybe about Baker Mayfield because the stat line was not impressive, Mm -hmm. 15-33 to for just 155 yards. I mean, no interceptions, but no touchdowns. You just got to wonder if Baker is maybe the weak link in this offense and maybe the person that, not the person, but one person that could be holding Cleveland back of its potential. You're 100%
1: correct, because that was the thing too. It wasn't like he was scrambling for his life the entire game either. He had plenty of time back there. He just wasn't making the right decisions either. And there was a few times that he scrambled out and I'm like, what is he doing? He has all this room. Why is he taking off? Granted, I can't see the whole field on TV. Maybe that everybody was covered, but this doesn't seem
0: like he's making the right decisions right now. I mean, that gunslinger mentality is something that you got to admire, and oh, the fire and intensity that he brings to the field, you got to admire that as well. But if you really want to set yourself apart, if you really want to take that leap from being a good quarterback to one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you got to tame that back a little bit. And as you mentioned, make better decisions. Yeah, the, he wasn't making the
1: quick decisions that he normally makes. Usually it's like, okay, I'm going to take off right away, or you know, it's like that one-two boom, balls out of his hands. It just hasn't been that way this year, so I don't know if it's another miscommunication, or I mean, excuse me, not miscommunication, but just not communicating in general with his receivers. They haven't really used that screenplay to like chubber or hunt a whole lot either. I'd like to see them go back to that a little bit, get them guys in open field, get him as their feet are already moving, too. I'd like to see them maybe open up the passing game a little bit there because they're used to going to that ground and pound. I understand why they try to go for some of these long passes because usually you're drawing the defense in when you have a two-headed monster like Hunt, like Chubb. They're going for the deep bombs. I I don't necessarily always want to see that. I mean, just you know, get back into that normal passing game, see what you can do.
0: And it's kind of hard for them to do do kind of that deep passing because they couldn't be able they couldn't get OBJ going. You still got Jarvis Landry out, so. It's definitely more than just Baker in the offense, but Baker is definitely a glaring issue, and they really need to pick it up against the Chargers this week since their defense has been pretty stout.
1: Yeah, they have been stout indeed, and it's going to be a tough game there for the Browns.
0: And especially since Justin Herbert is really starting starting to make a case as trying to be one of the better quarterbacks a couple years down the road. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's in his sophomore season
1: now, so to say, and just he's really developed into that offense. And like I said, Chargers were
0: one that you and I had our eyes on, too, and this is a very good football team. Elsewhere this past week, Tom Brady returns to Foxborough and gets a narrow win over his old team, the New England Patriots. But what kind of surprised me about this game, Tom Brady held without a touchdown pass. And I saw the ads on DraftKings saying – hey, if you bet on Tom Brady throwing a touchdown pass, you can win big. How many people you think would would have bought into that? They see Tom Brady not throw a touchdown, and they're like, yeah, really? Yeah, really?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially with the slow start that he had in that game, too. I mean, just couldn't get things moving. Uh, your top receivers like Evans and Godwin were just completely – well, not I shouldn't say completely shot down, because I think Evans ended up with like seven or eight receptions. But,
0: it, yeah, it was definitely something that was a rarity there for the Bucs. And then some not-so-stellar headlines here. The Urban Meyer fiasco after Jacksonville took another close loss, and Urban is seen afterwards at a bar with a younger woman kind of getting all cozy-cozy with him, and it just eventually leads to this fiasco. The the Jaguars owner kind of of has to reprimand him a little bit, and it, it just seems like a mess in Jacksonville, and it was kind of a mess from the start. I kind of said that, too. I was like, you know,
1: Urban's not the type of coach that's ready for the NFL. I mean, he should have stayed in retirement there. And you had a good thing going at Ohio State. And then, yeah, just not looking good. I mean, you feel, obviously, for his family and everything, too. Like, hey, you know, what are they thinking right now? So have a feeling this could potentially be a one-and-done for Urban.
0: Especially since you had that leaked comment earlier in the season. I guess, it, I guess he was talking with another coach, and he was like, it's like preparing for Alabama all week I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to get it back. I,
1: I didn't think he would either. And I mean, like I said, I respect everything that he had done throughout his collegiate football career. Oh, yeah. I've respected him as a commentator, you know, from commentator to commentator. I mean, I really respected him there. But yeah, I just don't feel the NFL is a good fit for him.
0: And then some surprise moves here. The Cowboys get rid of Jalen Smith, even though he is one of the better linebackers on the team. And then... It looked like Stephon Gilmore was going to get released by the Patriots, but then before the the release became official, he gets traded to Carolina for a sixth round pick. Now, yeah, that blew my mind. Yeah, Gilmore is one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I know he's kind of getting up there in age, right. but he's still one of the best. He's worth more than a six-round pick in return. Now, is there any retaining of salary there, too? Because th- there's just a lot that I could not figure out about that trade. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I, I not- know there was stuff with, uh, J- with Jalen Smith and kind of salary had to deal with it as well. Now, we may learn about some stuff down the road. Maybe it was attitude more so than anything else, but I know there was definitely a good bit of salary involved with Jalen Smith, Stephon Gilmore. I'm not 100% sure on. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, it's just crazy right now, just that situation. But I mean, hey, hats off to the Panthers. You pretty much pulled off an amazing trade there, especially a team that has been on the up and up here.
0: And especially since that secondary is getting a little bit injured, a bit depleted, beg your pardon, because of injuries. So definitely a good backup plan there. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, like I said, I, I really like what they're doing. Carolina, they're trying to win right now.
0: Like I said. It really cost you a six-round pick. I love it. <laughs> exactly. So moving on to the college game here. Unfortunately, another close loss for WVU, 23 to 20 to Texas Tech this past Saturday. I mean, a good effort for the comeback. And Jared Dagey, he wasn't terrible. He was pretty much the reason why they were able to come back in the second half. But just not a whole lot of just not a whole lot going right for them and not the best clock management when they were trying to get in the field goal range.
1: Yeah, you feel that heat that just came through. That that's Neil Brown's seat right now, and yeah. I, I'm not like I said, I don't have a dog in the fight there. Um, I respect WVU; they're not my number one team, but I have a lot of respect for them. But the the hot seat is now for Neil Brown. The one thing that I don't think a lot of people recognize in that game. They got beat by a second-string team. That was the second-string quarterback. That was a second-string running back. Their top receiver didn't make the trip. So that does not look good for head coach Neil Brown.
0: It's just got to be frustrating for them, too, because you know that you're performing better than your record indicates. I mean, Maryland probably shouldn't have been as close as it was, but it was a close loss. Right. You gave Oklahoma a good fight, and you almost came back against Texas Tech. But like you said, it was pretty much against a second-string team, and this really can't be doing any favors for Neil Brown. I feel that he just can't get
1: the players up. It's almost like they play down to their competition right now. I mean, mark out the LIU game. I mean, that's essentially playing a Division II team. But no disrespect to Division yeah. two, as I just said. that. I came from a D2 school. I was a D2 athlete, so don't take that the wrong way. But, I mean, yeah, block out the LIU game, but it's almost like they've played down to their competition because you're going to have a top 20 team coming in in Oklahoma State here near the end of the year. You still got to play teams like TCU and Texas. And I guarantee you that these are going to be extremely close games. I'm actually calling this. I mean, granted, I know a lot can happen before November, but they're going to upset Oklahoma State in that game. I'm telling you that right now. It's just they play
0: down to their competition. And they really can't start doing that now, especially since you're trying to keep pace to the Big Twelve and. Like I said, Neil Brown's trying, probably starting to fight for his job right now. So definitely got to get back on track if you were the Mountaineers, especially after this most recent loss to Texas Tech. And otherwise, in Ohio State, looks like C.J. Stroud is just fine after five touchdown yeah. passes in a 52-13 to route of Rutgers. And it was good to see Chris Olave back. I mean, yeah. I mean, he wasn't off the field at any point this year, but it was good to see him back to his usual ways. That's the type of game... <sighs> It's the type of game you need, and
1: I apologize, if I'm losing my words right now. But that's the type of game that you need—a momentum type game, so to say. Yeah. Get your confidence back. There we go. See, you know, I just got to think for a second. Doesn't happen often. Don't get used to it, folks. But it, um, there, those two guys are back now. C.J. Stroud, he's starting to learn how to play in that college atmosphere. I understand Rutgers isn't the craziest atmosphere to go to. You got some big games coming up now don't don't focus on penn state don't focus on michigan right now just take care of business when those games come around that's when you worry about it but i'm telling you what though the game near the end of the season is looking better and better right now with the way michigan and ohio state have both been playing oh, <laughs> oh no buddy. doubt could that come down to a good one there
0: yeah yeah this will be the first time in a while that i've been excited for that game right there hopefully michigan can keep this up but you mentioned you mentioned the momentum can't underestimate maryland or indiana oh, ahead not. of penn state so hopefully they they can they can hang on to this because even though maryland and indiana they might not be the scariest teams they can still put a pretty good scare in you oh i mean yeah you have uh talia tagavaloa there in
1: maryland he's just playing phenomenal I don't know what's going on with Penix right now in Indiana. It just—it seems like ever since he had that injury, he just hasn't been back to that Heisman hopeful. No. They couldn't get anything going against Penn State, but like I said, can't can't underestimate them as well because I, I can guarantee you right now, Penn State's not thinking about you because they got number three Iowa coming up here. Which how the heck is that not College Game Day? But I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> but you have a number three versus number four. I hate to say it, I see my Nittany lines going down in this one, but. I'm telling you, though, this th- the Big Ten is just wide open
0: right now with how talented all these teams are. I mean, either way, somebody in the top 25 is going to go down in that game against Penn State and Iowa. But the amount of losses taken by top 25 teams have just been so shocking this year. I mean, you see Oregon last week losing to Stanford in overtime. It definitely makes the playoff a lot more interesting, but there's still so much to see unfold Especially with some of the games you have this week, like you said, Penn State and Iowa, two of the top four teams going at it. Cincinnati, they're they're new to the top five. We'll see if they're able to keep it up against Temple. And when do they come into the conversation here? You know, I mean, if they finish undefeated this year, can you really leave them out? I mean, this is a great football team. I mean, I mean, I know they didn't look the best in their win a couple of weeks ago, but but they've really come on strong since. I mean, outside of Alabama and Georgia, I mean, nobody really has looked
1: all you know that crazy impressive in their victories right yeah. now. But I'm so glad you brought up Cincinnati because when do they come into the conversation here? I mean, yeah, you're going to have a three or four is going to fall this
0: week if Cincinnati pulls off a big victory here. How do you not put them in the top four right now? Exactly, and and then also the other game to bring up here amongst the uh, top 25 that that could definitely bring a lot of implications for the playoff race. Oklahoma and Texas, the latest edition of the Red River Rivalry. Oklahoma trying to get back in the top four because they've fallen down to sixth, while Texas they're, they're, they're just trying to claw back into things. Yeah, I think
1: they did creep back into the top 25 there. Yeah, they yeah, Yeah. 21, I believe. Yeah, 21, yeah. So this is a great game, and you never know what's going to happen in Red River. I mean, that's why it's Red River, and it's an exciting game. But even look at some of the teams, too. I mean, I don't think Coastal Carolina is quite there yet. They find themselves in the top 15 right now. SMU finding themselves into the ranking. I believe Fresno State was in there at one point. I don't know if they're still in there or not, but it's good to see. Yeah, because they went down too, right? I think they did lose, but, I mean, it is neat – to be able to see some of these teams getting opportunities in the top 25, I understand they don't play the most exciting schedule. That's why I said I don't think Coastal Carolina is the top 10 team right now. I love the Sean LeClears. I love everything that's going on down there in Conway. I just don't think they're quite there yet. Appy State is another one. I mean, they've come out. you know They were dominant in FCS for years. Now they find themselves in top 25. I love to see these mid-major teams at least get an opportunity, and that's why right now I'm probably one of the biggest bandwagon Bearcat fans, because I want to see them get that opportunity
0: to try to prove themselves on the big stage. So still a whole lot of moving and shaking to be done here the rest of the way, but we sure do love the madness that has happened with these games in the top 25 here. So closing the show out with some baseball talk here, and we'll start here with the Pirates before we get into the playoff talk. I mean... At least the Pirates end of the season with a series win over Cincinnati, and at least they reached that 60-win plateau that I set for them earlier this year. So there's something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and O'Neill Cruz got to
1: come up. Everybody was saying, I'll oh, just give him one shot, just give him one shot, and then boom, he's there. And that's like I said. I mean, but don't forget, folks. This young man is only 21, so there still is a little bit of time. Yeah. But if he's not in a Pirates uniform on Opening Day, there's something wrong this year. Especially, I think it's time,
0: especially since you have Ben Charrington saying that they've pretty much planted the seeds for success right here. You can imagine that O'Neill Cruz is going to be one of those seeds. It's just oh, a matter of can, can you get some get some better supplemental pieces around them because you got Key Brian Hayes, you got Brian Reynolds. Just please do not trade those guys away because it's clear that they're going to be cornerstones in your franchise. Just please get some better supplemental pieces and maybe a good piece in the rotation. Yeah, because there's some, you know, there's definitely some great young players
1: coming up right now. Uh Pagaro is the one that I got to see play in Greensboro this year. And I know I know him, so I'm a little bit biased here, but Matthew Frazier, you know, a good friend of mine. Um, got to see him playing Greensboro this year, got to see him play in Altoona. I think he's still about a year or two away. And he is a center fielder, so I don't know how that's going to be, if they're going to try to transition him to right or left field because of Brian Reynolds. But I know he's going to be, be a big piece of the Pirates organization. Yes, folks, I understand I'm biased there, <laughs> but I'm just saying what I've seen from him on the field. The pitching rotation, though, Corey, that's where I see the issues. Yep. There
0: hasn't been a lot of guys in the minors that have really stood out this year. So in terms of the playoff race, after all the madness that was the American League wildcard race, and the possibility of a four-way tie that could have happened between the Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners, and Blue Jays, that did not come to be, but at least we got the Yankees-Red Sox wildcard showdown that we were wanting last week. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean, it was a bloodbath, so to say, and these two teams just took the best shots at knocking each other out. Like I said, I can't figure out if I like the one game wild card or not, but man, was it exciting. And Corey, I read probably the best piece of news that I read is that that's stupid putting a runner on second rule is gone for the playoffs and it's going to be gone for 2022. I pray to god that was correct when I
0: read that. Please let that be right because that yeah. is just absolutely stupid.
1: Yeah, I mean that came from like a very reliable source in the MLB so I'm praying to god that that is right. Sorry I got a little off topic oh, but no, you, get... you know, praise the baseball gods for that.
0: But nonetheless, the Red Sox were able to have their way in that wild card game. Just just not the best game for Garrett Cole right no. there. And you you see all the things that has been that have been said about him the last couple of days—you pay him over three hundred million dollars, yet he only goes three innings in a, in a make-or-break game—and especially with the expectations that the Yankees had at the start of the year and the rocky nature of the season, they started out rough, go on a summer surge, kind of fall back off. Eventually, they're able to get into the wild card, but then they then they bow out the way that they do. This has really got to go down as a disappointing season for the Yankees, and it really makes you wonder if they're going to retain Aaron Boone, especially since there haven't really been any conversations about an extension. Well, and what about the comment he made after the game when he's like, oh, I think teams have figured us out.
1: Okay, yeah, maybe adjust. Yeah, not good. You have the talent right there, and I understand, you know, after a game, things can be emotional and all that, so maybe I'm taking it too much to heart there, but... there's just a light bulb that goes off when you say that it's like well okay maybe be a coach and adjust but (laughs) they have the talent I mean like I said one of my favorite players Gleyber Torres you know he's he's a Yankee so I do follow them a little bit but with all that talent they had there's no reason why they should have been battling out in the wild card
0: so the Red Sox, they are able to move on and after the AL wildcard game. They get the Tampa Bay Rays while Houston go, will be going up against the Chicago White Sox. And then, of course, last night you had the NL wildcard game, a pretty good game, a tight one throughout, but in the end, it's Chris Taylor with a walk-off two-run shot that gives the Dodgers a 3-1 win over St. Louis. So the Dodgers will now go over to San Francisco, and that's going to be one hell of a series. And Corey, you and I were talking
1: about this. We said that pretty much the Dodgers and San Francisco had separated themselves. I understand the Cardinals had that huge winning streak at the end of the year, and they really turned it on. But I, I'm 99% sure that, yeah, it was going to come down to the Dodgers and Giants. I hate the fact that they have to play each other now. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to the other teams, to the Braves and the Brewers, but I really feel that those are the two best teams in the NL.
0: But either way, one has to go in that series as it'll be the Giants and the Dodgers. And as Chris mentioned, the Brewers and the Braves. So kind of my predictions on how I think things are going to shake out in for the World Series. I have the Rays beating the Astros to take the AL and the Dodgers over the Brewers to take the NL right here. So pretty much a rematch of last year. And unfortunately for the Rays, I think it ends the same way as last year. I'd say the Dodgers beat the Rays in the World Series, and I feel like it goes the full distance here. But even with the injury to Clayton Kershaw, it, it's definitely going to play a factor. But I just think the Dodgers are just way are just way too deep, especially after acquiring, acquiring Max Scherzer in, in the middle part of the season. And I just say for the Rays because they're so stinking close. I just don't think they have enough.
1: Very, very good point there. I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit here. That is is a great take. Like I said, no disrespect there. That is a great take. The Braves have really impressed me as of late. I think they're going to get past the Brewers. I think it's going to go the distance, though. I see the Braves getting past the Brewers in that one. Going up against the Dodgers, Dodgers taking out the Braves. So, we do have that matchup there. Mm -hmm. I think the White Sox are going to be able to pull it off. I mean, they're looking; they're playing great baseball right now. I think they're going to go up against the Rays. And then, am I correct
0: on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you are. So, so between the Rays and the White Sox and the ALCS, yeah, who you got? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> he kind of looked at me. You're I was good, like, oh, good.
1: wait a minute. Am I wrong there? No, hey, um, no you're good. But
0: yeah, and then
1: I think that Rays-White Sox series is going to go to about six or seven games. Rays and the Dodgers in that rematch, I think the Rays do have a little bit of... I think they're finally there. I could be completely wrong. I feel like they're there, and I feel like this is the year that they beat the Dodgers in
0: seven. So that is going to be interesting to see right there, because because it's pretty clear that these uh, that that aside from San Francisco, these are the two strongest teams in the playoffs so far. So it'll be interesting to see if that rematch can happen and if the Rays can actually pull it off again, yeah, or, the, or this time around. And if 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 that happens, if when that happens, I, I I got a coffee for you, because <laughs> I'm feeling I might be a little bit wrong. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll definitely see in a couple weeks or so. But in the here and now, that brings an end to this week's episode of the Chalk Talk Podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening. Again, we are on the iHeartRadio app, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, pretty much any platform that you could think of. And make sure you come on back next next week, because we'll recap high school football and everything, that else, everything else that happened. But also, we'll throw in a little bit of hockey talk, because the regular season starts on Tuesday, so we'll definitely... Yeah, get into some regular season predictions. Who we think is going to hoist the cup, and of course the Nailers are going to be hitting the ice here pretty soon as well. So we'll make sure to talk about them a little bit as well. But right now, I'm Corey Klug for Chris Lowburn. Thanks so much for listening this week. Have yourself a great weekend and a great week at that. Until next time, keep calm and chalk up.